Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about crimes and cocktails. I'm Sloane, your bartender for today, and I'm Trish, your crime tender for today. And today we're bringing you the story of Chanel Miller. She, I hate to put it this way, she's better known as Brock Turner's rape victim, and that's why we wanted to title this episode about her, because previously it's always been about him, he who shall not be named in this episode. (laughs) And today we want to talk about Chanel. And with all of that said, we're going to kick you off to the episode. Enjoy. another round of bartending with Sloan. Today we are making my new obsession, the Mexican candy shot. This one's really easy and I want to try this in different variations, but I feel like you can do it in different different ways and I'll explain in a second. So first you're going to take your shot glass and you're going to rim it with tahine or chili lime salt. And then you're going to take in your shaker over ice Pour one part tequila and one part watermelon pucker. I have fairly small shot glasses, so I do like a half ounce of each. And then you want to add a couple of dashes of hot sauce into that. Shake it with your ice, strain it into that shot glass with a tahine rim, and then shoot it. Like lick the tahine, shoot it at the same time, and this is your Mexican candy shot. Trish is not usually a fan of spicy things, so I did not have her try it. (laughs) And our other best friend that usually tries drinks with, like, that I would have try this drink with me, she doesn't like watermelon. So you just have to rely on me and my opinion. And (laughs) let me tell you, it is good. Like, I have been drinking this one nonstop. It's something about the tahine rim. Like, I have been putting tahine on all of my cocktail rims lately. I love it. But try this out. Let us know what you think. If you want a visual or a recipe card, we will have this stuff on our social medias. We have the Instagram all updated. Everything else is a little bit behind. But Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, it's all tequila she wrote across the board. If you have any other shot recommendations for us, because I feel like we've been on a shot kick lately, send them to tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. And without further ado, I'm going to kick you off to the episode. All right. Welcome back to another case with your crime tender, Trish. And like we said in the intro, today we're going to be doing Chanel Miller. You probably don't really know her name because what she is kind of most known for is being the victim of Brock Turner and... She actually withheld her name for the longest time. It wasn't until after the trial that she actually released her name publicly. So that's why a lot of people don't actually know her name. But today we are going to talk about her. I am unfortunately going to have to talk about Brock just because it is part of her story. But 
I do try to focus mainly on her. So, without further ado, we'll get into it. So, unless you've been living under a rock, you should definitely know who Brock Turner is. If you don't, consider yourself very lucky. <laughs> she, like I said, is the victim of Brock Turner, but she refuses to be reduced to Brock Turner, if I can speak, Brock Turner sexual assault victim. So, Chanel Elizabeth Miller was born June 12, 1992 in Palo Alto, California. She is the oldest of two daughters of a Chinese mother and American father. Her mother actually immigrated over here and everything. So, today she is a writer and artist based in San Francisco and New York. Her name was never made public until after the trial and sentencing of Brock Turner, but she was, like I said, the sexual she was sexually assaulted on campus at Stanford University. In 2005, her victim impact statement is kind of what really made her and the statement go viral. It was actually posted by BuzzFeed and it was read 11 million times within four days. At the time of the trial, she was referred to as Emily Doe in court. And this was basically until September of... 2019 and since then she has released a memoir named Know My Name and in this she kind of gives like her recollection of the night and like she she just goes in like there's a lot <laughs> I get into it a little later on the book won the 2019 National Book Critics Circle Award for autobiographies. It was named in several national book lists of the year. And her case, and I guess his case, sparked an outcry for the treatment of sexual assault cases and victims by college campuses and court systems. Which, like I said, unless you've been living under a rock, you know. But we're going to get into it. And if you don't know the case, prepare to be as outraged as the rest of us. <laughs> and if you're not, you're probably listening to the wrong <laughs> wrong <laughs> podcast, podcast for you. Yeah. <laughs> it might not be your people. Yes. So this is her story. On the evening of January 17th, 2015, Chanel accompanied her sister to a Kappa Alpha frat party. Later that night, two Stanford grad students found her lying on the ground behind a dumpster with another student, 19-year-old Brock Turner, lying on top of her. She was 22 and a recent grad student from the University of California. She was working in her first job at a tech firm and living with her parents in Palo Alto. Chanel was unconscious and her blood alcohol level was estimated to be at 
22% at the time of her assault, which I looked up in California to drive. It is illegal to have a 0.08. So she was well above that, but she wasn't driving. She just was on campus walking. Yeah. So when they were discovered behind this dumpster by these two students, Turner tried to flee and was caught and held down to the ground by these two students while they waited for police. Turner was arrested and indicted on five felony sexual assault charges, which he pled not guilty. Because he's a piece of trash. Aren't they all? <laughs> or most. Yes. He was arrested and released on the same day after posting $150,000 bail. Chanel, on the other hand, was in the hospital having her vagina and anus swabbed by police doctors. Ow. Equal, right? Mm -hmm. Just so, it's just, you know. Gee, I wonder which one I would rather be doing. Neither, but. Yeah. You take a drink there. Yeah. <laughs> we both did. <laughs> clink, clink. Right? Turner's charges were. Two for rape, two for felony sexual assault, and one for attempted rape. The two rape charges were later withdrawn. In 2016, he was convicted of three of these charges and sentenced to six months in jail, followed by a three-year probation. FYI, he only served three whole months. Not the, shocking. Yeah. But disappointing. Ugh, it was... Mm. He also had to register as a sex offender for life and complete a rehabilitation program for sex offenders. So, obviously, this sparked public outrage for the leniency of the sentence. It still causes outrage to me anytime anyone brings up Brock Turner. Yeah. If they tried to defend him, I'm like, I shut it down real quick. I'm like, <laughs> wrong audience. <laughs> wrong fucking audience. Go elsewhere. I will destroy you. Me? I turn around and walk away. <laughs> My husband is the argumentative one. I turn around and walk away. <sighs> so, <fa> so, like I said, he served three whole months of his six months his whole six months not even a whole year that he was supposed to serve and upon his release he was given a package of hate mail which had built up during his stay if only I could have contributed to that <laughs> yeah, I still would donate yep so, he was mandated to stay with his parents in Sugar Creek Township in Ohio, which really is not that far from where I grew up. So, I'm just like, ugh. Why, why did you have to be from Ohio? Like, Ohio has enough shit. Like, don't, don't put that on us. I'm like, ugh. Ohio is like the center of evil. <laughs> You know, every year when they release, like, 
all the haunted houses, they always put like by state who has the most, and that Ohio always blows everyone out of the water. And everyone's like, "Are you okay, Ohio?" No, no, we're not okay. Never okay. <laughs> uh, you can sneeze and run into a haunted house over there. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's a lot of shit that goes down in Ohio, and like growing up, I was so naive to it, and then I got into like true crime, and I was like, "Shit, <laughs> how did I survive?" <laughs> Very carefully. Oh, God. So, yes, he was basically mandated to stay with his parents in Ohio, which I'm sure they would have had it no other way because he was their golden boy. Still is their golden boy. So... This case became a textbook example of the double standard applied to sexual assault victims and their assailants. Turner was characterized as a champion swimmer, a good student, and an upstanding young man, surely incapable of conflict, like, basically doing this assault. But he was, he was a champion. There's no way. How could he? Meanwhile, who Chanel, who was known as Emily Doe, she was a faceless woman at the time of these proceedings, was labeled as the drunk girl at the party. Basically, when this was all going on, Chanel's world was just kind of like torn in two because to her friends and family, she was Chanel, you know, she was just a normal, like, girl just trying to live her life, trying to, you know, start this new career and everything. And in a courtroom, she was Emily Doe, basically the slut. Yeah. And you're like, what? But that's not what it happened. Yeah. Not what had happened. So, two years after this trial actually ended, the sentencing, the sentencing judge, Aaron Persky, I think is how you say it. It literally looks like Persky. (laughs) So I don't know how it's said. Anyways, he was recalled, which basically means he was basically told he had to step down. Yeah. Which, thank God, because his sentencing for Brock is a fucking joke. So, like I said, she had released an impact statement that was read in court. It was 7,137 words long. So, it might seem like a lot of words, but it's really not. But it is very impactful, and if you haven't read it, even if you haven't even read, like, parts of it, I definitely highly suggest you go and read And like I said, it was published by BuzzFeed on June 3rd, 2016, the day after Turner was actually sentenced. And one of the most known parts that, basically, if you've seen this impact statement, you should know. But like I said, not everybody knows. So I'm going to read it for you. And this, like, When I was researching this, I remember reading the, like, knowing all about this case, and then, like, 
you know, you just kind of filed away because you're like, ugh, it just makes you sick. And then when I read this, I was it like brought me back. But the most known line and most so like to me, it's so impactful. It reads, you don't know me, but you've been inside me. And that's why we're here today. Like that in itself is just such a haunting sentence. Um, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. And that does not happen often. Like, I have been lucky enough to never be sexually assaulted. Yeah. But just like hearing that, it still hits you. So she goes on to basically talk about her experience of being sexually assaulted by Turner and how devastating it was for him to have more sympathy in the courtroom than her, the victim. Which I, I'm about to get into all about that. But like, like I said, if you do, if you've never heard, like read up on this, you just kind of know the outcome that you need to read up on this court case because it's insane the things that like the attorneys and everybody were just trying to let him like get away with and try to explain away it uh it i i truly this was like basically the breaking point of the justice system as we know it today (laughs) (laughs) it's uh this was the downfall one of the many, but yes. yes. So, along with her impact statement, Brock's father also made a statement. Uh, and, uh, I, yep, I was like, his statement makes my blood boil. Like, oh my god. If I ever met this man in person, I would, I would be in jail for murder because I would strangle him to death. He, he talks about the harsh punishment of his son and said a steep price to pay for 20 minutes of action out of his Uh, 20 plus years of life. Yep. (laughs) Sir, while you're worried about his 20 minutes of action, guess what? His response literally makes me sick to my stomach. So I apologize (laughs) if that sound made you like, but the fact that you are more concerned about your son's future yep tells me everything i need to know about you his which response, you raised him yeah. but like there is the whole nature versus, versus nurture and i can go back and forth on that but like his response <sighs> is the ultimate boys will be boys no, boys don't always have to be boys. Yeah. But in order for boys to not be boys, we have to start raising that standard. Yeah. And guess what? The dad is a boys is going to be boys, and that's why he raised a boys is going to be boys type of man. Yeah. But the one source I did find for this, like, it talks about this statement, and it's like, he's so worried about, like, 20 minutes of action basically being so, like, damaging to his son's future. Well, guess what? Your son's 20 minutes of action has completely devastated another person's whole future, too. Ruined her life. Like, maybe not ruined. That's that's here and there. She has since made herself 
into like that's what like I'll I was about to say she has made herself into a very respectful person. She has taken it with such strides, but it's still like it's one of those. It's situ- impacted it so much. It's one of those situations where it's like two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and I decided to travel the road less traveled by. Sort of situation like you can either take one path whenever it forks off and like down spiral or you can build your life out of the fucking ashes and ruin that you feel like you're in whether that's where you're actually where you're at or not but like you have two choices yeah at least two choices yes so like i said i found an article that talked about how after she revealed her identity and how even like today i guess she acts because like basically how she oh let me reword this sorry i'm like skipping around my eyes are going here here (laughs) so i found (laughs) i found an article that talked uh about how after she revealed her identity and like after the trial that And, like, that night, how it made her question what she wears, does, or even how she acts because of how it could be used against her by lawyers in a court, which is disgusting to think. Like, and it's, it's basically what all women go through. Yeah. If we wear too short of shorts or a skirt or dress, we're asking for it. If we wear, you know... A low-cut top, we're clearly asking for male attention. And no. how dare us not no. give into it? I fucking feel cute. So I'm leaving my house feeling cute. And guess what? It's the first time I've felt cute in months. But that doesn't mean that somebody should take advantage of me. Yep. And it doesn't matter if it's the first time that you're feeling cute in hours, months, days, days weeks, years. years. <laughs> It doesn't fucking matter. Like, what you put on your body does not, uh, should not be the reason that somebody else can act out against you. Yes. If I can control my impulses when a man rips off his six-pack shirt, like, his shirt and there's a six-pack, then you can fucking ignore your impulses because I have cleavage. badly. (laughs) Mr. Woodchopping Man on TikTok. Whoo! come across him i'd still be able to control my impulses even though but it's like ultimately it comes down to women are always stronger than men right like saw a tiktok the other day talking about a tattoo artist being like you know they'd much prefer to tattoo a woman than a man because you think a man's gonna sit there and take the pain because that's what a man does and in reality the women sit better for pain and guess who does the birthing of the children? Women. And I whenever mean, you hell. put a man through one of those simulators, like, they buckle within 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, like I said, hell, they, what, just now released a thing saying that period pains equal a heart attack for some women? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Oh, I believe We're clearly it. clearly the stronger sex. I believe it. For, like, three years, I thought my appendix bursting... Which I know that that sounds ridiculous, but, like, it turned out that my appendix was slowly rupturing over time. But I thought I was having cramps. And I finally went in, and they were like, uh, 
we need to remove your appendix tomorrow <laughs> morning on your birthday for Easter. Congratulations. Oh. I, I, I still have my appendix. Please, please, please don't. <laughs> it has no function to it. it I know. Matter. That's why I'm saying. I'm like, please, please don't. But like, men are strong. Don't get me wrong. Yes. But women tolerate pain at a whole other level. Yes. And also, I'm strong. I'm like male strong. I can outlift my husband. Also, not all men are trash. We're not getting at that. There are great men. We do have men that listen to this. We love you. But it's these assholes that like label males as assholes. Yes. Brock Turner. (laughs) (gasps) So... Um, where did I leave off? No clue. I found it. I found my bullet point. We're good. So, like, like we said, no one should feel like they have to live their life this way because of, you know, basically the male gaze and everything. Like, there's no reason anybody should ever feel like this. And the fact that you know, she's had to live through it once, so now, like, that's just affects her mind so much. And, like, I get into it a little more, like, what she had mm-hmm. to endure and why, like, it basically explains why her mind thinks this way. And it's so sad. But, like I said, she does come out as a strong-ass woman. And she does her thing. And she fully admits she still struggles. But... We're, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. So, I mentioned her memoir that she wrote. So, in this book, she talks about that fateful day and how she even talks about, like, how the frat house smelled like any other frat house, which, if you didn't have a college experience or you never did, like, the frat life, we're g- I'm going to tell you, and this is also some of her words too, basically how how basically every frat house is going to smell slash look. It's going to smell sour. It's going to smell like beer. Your floors are going to be sticky. Your shoes are going to stick to it. And it's just going to smell of boys. Yep. The couches you don't want to sit on. You may not even want to lean on a wall. <laughs> you want to be as uncomfortable as possible stayed and stay safe. Okay. <laughs> I stayed outside. If you go inside, be sure to go in with a group of people. Don't wander off. Watch your drinks. Do not take drinks from random people. Just, just know that you need to be highly aware of your surroundings. Yep. You can have fun at frat parties. They Some do turn out to be great. I was lucky. The frat parties that I went to, I was friends with a lot of the brothers. And they were good guys. And they looked out for us. And if any of like the other frats ever came, <laughs> they were basically like, Hey, look, you don't fuck with these girls. <laughs> you can talk to anybody else. You do not talk to them. Yeah. Don't even look at them. <laughs> so, like, I was lucky that I made 
friends with good frat people. Yeah. Um, but yes. She also goes on to talk about her time in the hospital, which she talks about how she felt numb and how she didn't know if, like, during the pictures that they took, if she should smile, like, where she should look, like, anything like that. Like, I'm sure... Because you're, you're trying to do anything but think about what just happened to you and why, like, this is happening. And also, like, I've never gone through it, but, like, stories that I've heard, it's, like, it's so, like, cut and dry. It's just, like, all right, we're going to do this. All right, now I have to take pictures. All right, here's this. Bye. Which she talks about. She talks about how the fact that after, like, these pictures, she was basically handed some sweatpants and a pamphlet. Like, here's your new your uniform. And this is a pamphlet about, like, what you basically went through. And uh, you should probably find some support and be be prepared to go to, to therapy for the rest of your life. Congratulations. Welcome to the club. It's like... They really need to redo yeah. basically how they deal with rape victims. And yeah. Yeah. It uh anytime I hear stories about this, it's just like and they and like the victims talk about their experience that you're just like, oh, you poor, poor creature. Because it's not only women, it is men. There are men that do get raped, and I don't care if you don't if you think that men can't they know it can. happens it happens it, it's not that reported because you know men Shame. like to might men like to be seen as like strong not being able to take advantage of but it, it can happen i feel like we're gonna do a case where we can get in a whole argument about that so i'm gonna keep my opinions <laughs> to myself now right so, she also talks about how naive she was to the rape proceedings and how she thought there was no way there would be a case against it. Like, anybody. It's like, alright, he raped me. Clearly, like, this is cut and dry. Like, he's guilty. Yeah, but also it's he said, she said. Yes. And so, that does not fly in the court of law in America. Yep. She said, if you find someone humping an unmoving body, what is the case? Which is, like... Necrophilia! <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there's a lot, but, like... I mean... I remember when this case all started, and it was just, like, she was literally unconscious, yeah. and you were, you're trying to sit there and tell me that you thought it was consensual? Yeah. I would have beat anybody's mm. ass in college. Like, if I would have walked into one of mine or my, like, roommate's rooms. Because we were the house party house. Like, we were the house that people would come to. We were right across from one of the big bars. So, you could either go to the bar and then come there. You could go there pregame, then go to the bar. Like, yeah. whatever you preferred to do. But we were all, like, antisocial pieces of shit. <laughs> so, like, we didn't want to go to the bar. So, we just hosted the house party across from the bar. But, like, all of that to say, like, if I would have ever walked into my room or one of my roommates' room and found, like, a scene like this, I would have 
beat the shit out of somebody. And that's coming, I was like 280 pounds, <laughs> five foot three. <laughs> I have always been a big girl. And a lot of my weight comes from muscle. Like I was a gymnast whenever I was younger. I was raised playing baseball with college boys. Like I just had five older brothers. Okay. I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm not, I am not somebody to be fucked with. Yeah. Like you can look at me and tell I am not somebody to be fucked with. I look like I am pure muscle. Like I always say, like. If you hit me, try to do anything like that. If I am not, like, if you do something that I'm not able to fight back, you better fucking run, change your name, go to a different country, because I got five older brothers and older sisters and a bunch of, like, male friends that will come and beat your ass if I can't. (laughs) I don't need anybody. I don't need... Like I said, if there's for some reason you do something that I am not able to physically fight you back at that moment in time, you better run. (laughs) So, like I said, she was very, like, she admits she was very naive to, like, this whole thing. And then she was like, how could there even be a case in that? And like I said, Turner and his team basically were trying to plead that this was... this was a case of consent and it's like dude this is a case of you are motherfucking bullshit (laughs) brock turner yes (laughs) so turner pleaded innocent and claimed he asked if she would like him to finger her and asked if she liked it and she and claims that she said "Uh uh-huh sir if she's drunk and passed out by the time that you're found, then that was probably her just being like, basically half asleep, being like, yeah, sure. What? Uh." (laughs) Like, most of us have had moments of blackout. Uh, for sure. (laughs) Just one. (laughs) Just just one time. I want to take back my first answer. I want to take back my first answer. I have experience one time, just once, <laughs> just once. But we've all had this year. <laughs> There's too much moonshine. Okay, there's too much moonshine. It's fine. But we've all had moments of like blackout, and it's like you don't know what you said. And you're probably fighting to even stay awake. Like, dude. Uh, we can get into a whole discussion, but it's just like, uh, I, it, every time, every time I'm like, this dude, this dude. So, the case ultimately became less about the night and more about her credibility as a victim and Brock's swim career and college life being ruined, which, that's another part of this case that makes my blood boil. The fact that they were more concerned about his future than what actually fucking happened that night. Uh, Amen. (laughs) Let's not care about the girl's future he ruined. Let's only care about this swimmer. Yeah. This swimmer's career. 
They also brought up her sexual history, her relationship status, and whether she did a lot of partying while she was in college. Why does it fucking matter? Why does she it was fucking unconscious. matter? She was unconscious. There was no way for her to say yes or no. That's what matters. Yep. They also brought up that before blacking out, she peed in public. How dare she? Oh my gosh. It's not like men do it all the fucking time. I was just about to say, I do it all the time. (laughs) I do it all the time. We have one bathroom in my apartment. And you know how men are. They like to take hour and a half long shits. Sometimes I can't wait an hour and a half to go pee. So I go outside and I pee with my dogs. (laughs) So, I'm, how dare she, though? Right? How dare she? Like I said, men do it all the time and it's acceptable. But if a woman does it, how dare she? Like, it's so lewd. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> also, the fact that alcohol was involved and in both of their systems was seen as an acceptable excuse for the events, especially on a college campus. <laughs> It's like my brain. <laughs> it's like, like I said. Well, I also just saw that my diet bar order is delivered. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so it was super bad news and super good news at the same time. Yeah. Uh. But yeah, so like, there, like I said, this case became more about the, you know, Brock. D- Brock Turner versus Emily Doe. Yeah. It became more about him being this upstanding young man and her just being basically the drunken college slut. So, Chanel hasn't let this horrible night scare her into hiding. Not only has she written her memoir, but she is also a public speaker as well. She is still healing and admits that she still has panic attacks and depression. And she still is subject to bouts of anger and despair. Which, I mean. Same. That I was not even personally affected by this. <laughs> right? But same. Like, there, we as a generation were traumatized by this case. Yes. And that's not to take away from her. I'm just saying, like. From what I have felt from this case, I cannot imagine. I literally cannot. I always try to be empathetic and put myself in other people's shoes in all situations. And I cannot even imagine putting myself in this girl's shoes, this woman's shoes, where this happened. And then the case literally blew up overnight. Yep. And the fact that he got such a... Lenient slap on the wrist. Yeah, it was literally a slap on the wrist. And then because, you know, he cried and his parents cried about the fact that he was in jail, he got released and then he got to live out his life. Like, if you are adult enough to drink alcohol and if you are adult enough to commit a crime, then you are adult enough to face those consequences. Mm-hmm. And what he and his parents tried to persuade and what they did persuade the jury and the judge of is that he was too young to be affected by his decisions. 
well, then he shouldn't have been making his own decisions. Right. You should have kept him locked away in your little tower in your home if you wanted to keep him safe like that. But you didn't. Yep. Nor did you... Never mind. It's just... Step back. Flo. There's so Step much. <laughs> Step back. There's just... Obviously, this is a case that, like, we have high emotions on. But it's just... It's one, literally, I was like, I need to do. And some of the shows that we love to watch have actually done little kind of stories on that's one of the ones i mentioned law and order svu in the 18th season did an episode highlighting the case the episode is titled rape interrupted which if you haven't seen it it basically is like isn't it like olivia's ex-partner son like commits the crime i i i don't remember well based on like uh i believe i believe let's pause this let's pause this i remember this episode (laughs) and to be honest if i wasn't drinking i would have remembered it a lot sooner but yes i remember this episode so in law and order svu it's olivia's first partner like the person that trained her on the job and he shows up he hustles into the office and he goes where's my son at i traced his his phone here i assumed he was mugged and that's why his phone was here and she's like no, we have him on rape charges. Like, we have some evidence. And he goes, shoot it straight with me. And she goes, we have an eyewitness of your son on top of a woman who is unconscious having sex with her. And the dad is like, I'm taking him out of here right in, right now. You, you're not questioning him anymore. Da, 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 da. But very clearly, remember this episode. SVU is really great about adapting current issues <laughs> into yes. their episodes. But yeah, it's... I definitely remember seeing this episode, and it's mm-hmm. it's very they stick very close to details. Yep, and it's it. I mean, they did a great they they, they, <laughs> they always do a great, do a great job, job, but yes. it's a very good, well done episode. You clearly know it's about Brock Turner. Yes. So, there's also been a few books written and some movies done and other TV shows inspired by this case. So, it is a very prominent case. I know that Brock and his family have tried to basically dismiss and make this whole thing go away so that their son can continue to be this golden boy and not talked about and not associated with rape and college campuses or rape in general. And it's like, your son did the crime. Your son's going to do the time. Yeah. Guess what? Whether he didn't serve it in jail, he's going to be remembered. Mm-hmm. I will never forget Brock Turner's name. Nope. Nope. And like I said, he gets brought up every so often for other like things and that. And I'm like, bet y'all thought we forgot about this asshole. But guess what? We haven't. <laughs> but... Like I said, she uh, Chanel hasn't really ma- made her name known until, like, the past couple of years. Like I said, she was known as Emily Doe, so, like, it's understandable why people don't know her name. But I was trying to think of, like, 
kind of a quick little case I could research and also like one that was going to be like, it, this is a case that it, it causes discussion and I knew, you know, why not? Why not do one that's going to get people talking, stuff like that. Yeah. And it's controversial. I also wanted to, you know, bring her name into it. So maybe like we can talk about this because a lot of people are like, I don't want to fucking talk about Brock. Well, we can talk about Chanel and yeah. how this affected her. her. Affected. Yeah. And how, you know, she is, instead of being the victim, she has come out like a little phoenix <laughs> and made it to where, you know, she's told her story. She is going around, continuing to tell her story and, like, inspire people to speak out about their assaults and that. And basically... She's she's doing what she feels is beneficial for her and for others, and it's just I feel like it's good. It's it was a good one to do. Yeah, I agree. And I guess with that all being said, we'll kick you off to the last call. Welcome back to another last call with Sloan. Today is going to be like a a mix of things. One, well, last time I ended on uh, conspiracy theories, we talked about Frozen and Disney when I did it. And um, the next thing that I wanted to talk about, the next conspiracy theory that I wanted to talk about is that Bigfoot is real. Are you talking about how he was found here? I was going to bring that up in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> so we all know about Bigfoot, Sasquatch, whatever you want to call them. People are convinced that the elusive creature exists. For years, yes. people have tried to track it down, resulting in videos and images often emerging of a tall, hairy animal walking upright. So Trish here the other day reposted something. Uh. <laughs> And it's from our local Mobile County Sheriff's Office. And they said that they just validated the photos and the Finding Bigfoot team has been deployed to Big Creek Lake in Wilmer, Alabama. A Wilmer man is happy to be safe at home after a scary incident while turkey hunting nearing near Tanner Williams Road. The person who wished to remain anonymous spotted a Bigfoot in the woods on the water's edge and took these amazing photographs of the beast. At first, I thought it was a grizzly bear, but once I got a better look at it, I realized it was definitely a Sasquatch. <laughs> I was like, so Sasquatch has been hiding in Alabama. He probably sweating his ass off. <laughs> <laughs> the Mobile County Sheriff's Department is currently examining these photographs, but they are expected to verify their authenticity. <laughs> Coworkers, who's also like kind of like the manager of the liquor store I work at, brought it up, and I was like, "All right, cool." And he showed the pictures. I went, "Holy shit!" And then I was just scrolling on Facebook, and it popped up. I was like, "I gotta repost this because if I don't, I'm gonna forget." Because I knew I had like Outback people I wanted to tell about, and I was like, "Oh God!" The pictures. 
The pictures actually look legit as fuck. They do. So I'm not saying that I deny this. It's just funny. It's so funny that I'm like, it's are you here. kidding me? Because it's usually the Pacific Northwood. North yeah, it's like normally West, like yes. around Alaska and places like that that are like Sasquatch. But also like in the past two years of being on TikTok and falling down random rabbit holes, I did find a TikTok that um, basically like human beings are one of the many types of humans that were on the planet whenever it first started and so one of the theories of that whole camp is that sasquatch slash bigfoot slash yeti is one of the type of humans quote-unquote humans that used to exist on the planet but there is proof that if this is true there's proof that around greek around Greece or somewhere around there, there were little, like, tiny elf humans that went extinct because human, like, yeah. our human species decided to kill them all out of fear. So, like, it's a question of, is Bigfoot one anomaly? Or is it, like, a group of beings that are roaming around our national parks? Yeah. Like I told you last time, I'm very interested in the conspiracy theories. <laughs> like, they live in my head. I don't buy into them, but they all live in my head and play a fun little merry-go-round with my ADHD. Yeah. So, if you have any thoughts on any, any of that, uh, let us know. We, um, we have our social medias. I was like, is it time for that? I don't yes, know. Yes, yes, it is. We have our social medias. We have our Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. I am slowly getting caught up on that. My seasonal depression is lifting day by day, week by week. <laughs> so we're getting caught up on our social media shit. Um, but follow us on anything that you prefer at Tequila She Wrote. You can also email us with any case suggestions or cocktail recipes or shot suggestions, tequila recommendations. Anything you want to talk to us about, let us know. Tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon set up, which easiest way to find that if you're not able to find it by going to Patreon is either by going to our link tree, which is linked in our Instagram uh, bio. And TikTok bio. And TikTok bio. You just go there. You click on the Patreon thing. It'll send you directly to the page. Or you can go on patreon.com backslash tequila she wrote, and it should link you directly there. Like I said, if you have any problems, any questions, email us, send a comment on something, like anything, we'll, we'll get back to you. Slide in our DMs. Right. Um, but for as little as like $2 a month, you can get ad-free episodes you pay a little more, you get even more stuff. It's just, we're slowly getting caught up over there too, but we do have the episodes caught up at least. Um, we also, you know, we release an episode every Tuesday and Friday, so be sure to check us out. And we hope you enjoyed your ride on the Hot Mess Express. Toot toot. Beep beep. Beep. <laughs>